Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Today's show is called The End of Guilt and Shame. And I can tell you because me being a rotten hell Catholic, meaning I don't go to church very often, uh, guilt and shame have always been a part of my life. And so that is uh, something that is a complicated issue for many people. And the, the deal is you've really got to get a perspective on what guilt and shame are and how they play a role in your life to be able to get control of of more peaceful quality of life and also having healthy relationships uh, requires us to really understand guilt and shame and what role they play in our communication with each other. Uh, many people do things and do ungodly amount of things to uh, alleviate their sense of guilt or their sense of shame. Uh, many people transfer it to other people, meaning they, they'll do something for somebody else, but they have done something horrendous to someone uh, and they give back to someone else as a way to uh, alleviate how they feel. And, you know, it's a very complicated uh, set of emotions, guilt and shame, and they play off of each other enormously in our life. And so I, I'm hoping that this show is going to help us put it in perspective, help us understand it, and help us get a better control of our life. Because guilt and shame are emotions, and they should not be operating strongly in our life. They be, should be something we manage and something we work with. Yes, it's nice to have morals and values, but not if they're operating off guilt and shame because that means that it's external. The motivator is external rather than a change within ourselves. You know, we all know that, uh, that, that pinching sensation of guilt when we feel like we've done something wrong. It's an unpleasant feeling that can be hard to shake until we apologize for our wrongdoing. You know, and shame can have a similar effect, making us feel badly about who we are. You know, these two emotions are often confused with each other, and in psychology, they can be uh, controversial when it comes to defining them and their differences. There isn't really a lot of agreement out there on uh, a, a true definition of guilt and shame, and there are also various thoughts on what makes them different. And so we have to kind of understand it. So I'm going to try to do a dive into the definitions very quickly for uh, so we can get a perspective on them. So what is guilt? Guilt, guilt is both a cognitive, which is thought-based, and an emotional experience that occurs when a person believes that he or she has violated a moral standard and is responsible for that violation. People can feel guilty about something they actually did or even didn't do. And that's amazing. You know, uh, you uh, look at shame, and shame is a condition of humiliating disgrace or dis disrepute. Uh, shame can be explained as the discomfort people feel when they don't live up to expectations of others or the remorse and embarrassment they feel when they think they've let others down. And, and the difference between guilt and shame, and, and there are several uh, comparisons, is that um, immoral goes with guilt and inadequate 
goes with shame. Guilt is when you feel disappointed in yourself for violating your own personal value system or your own code of behavior, while shame is when you actually feel disappointed in yourself because you failed in your own mind in some way, whether you failed to cope with something or a failure or weakness of yours has been exposed in front of other people who define it as wrong. So when we feel guilt, we feel badly about something we did or neglected to do, and our conscience bothers us, whereas when we feel shame, we feel badly about who we are in general. So, as you can see, the motivators are completely different. You know, and, and which one is worse, guilt or shame? Since guilt is tied to what we think is moral and immoral, when we violate a moral standard, we feel guilty and want to do uh, right the wrong. And because of this, guilt actually helps us as a society and as individuals to maintain standards for right and wrong. Guilt is viewed more positively out there in this world. And if somebody feels guilty, they, they, they admit they did something wrong. We like that because we want to forgive people who admit they've done wrong. However, as a culture, we have shame about shame. We equate shame with weakness. So the, here's the effects of, of guilt and shame. Feeling guilty or shameful can have different effects on people. Um, you know, guilt, uh, feeling guilty over time can cause someone to become depressed and self-destructive. And they can also cause you to do some of the following. Try hard to make things right by overworking and overgiving in an attempt to make everybody happy. Uh, people will ignore their own needs and desires in order to avoid upsetting other people. Uh, we become overly sensitive to make right decisions in our personal actions, choice of words and decisions. Everything is hard when we feel guilty because we feel like we have to be politicians. And, and the lack of decision-making skills, once you always want to make the right choice, it makes you unearthly uh, 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 guilty and uh, you lose character because character is based on your ability to make decisions. So we lose who we are when we feel guilty. Uh, we also, when we're guilty, we become emotionally closed off and only able to see the negative aspects of life. We use the discomfort of guilt to motivate uh, and change things in our life to eliminate the guilt, which is not the proper motivator. We want to change things because it's right for us. And also, uh, we make irrational decisions based on guilt. And, and uh, you know, some people use guilt as a mask for low self-esteem. Now, he, here's shame. Shame is the most destructive of human emotions. Shame destroys a person's self-esteem and sense of who they are and causes people really, really serious problems. It's a core issue uh, of uh, things like addiction, and it also can cause others like suicide, depression, anger. You know, people have shame may also experience some of this kind of stuff. They have issues with intimacy, therefore they have superficial relationships. They find themselves in relationships with people who encourage their ongoing experience of low self-worth. They isolate themselves from others. They have self-condemning attitudes and talk negatively about themselves. And that's a good indicator that somebody is living a life of shame, which can lead to self-loathing and self-sabotaging behavior. So when you notice somebody is always, always self-defeating or never completing what they start, making commitments and never finishing, 
That is self-defeating behavior, and that means shame plays a huge role in that person's life. They also tend to bring others down in an attempt to make themselves feel better. They, they seek perfection to avoid future shame. They aim for power in the attempt to feel more valuable. They blame others for their faults and problems. And they, they are overly nice to others in hopes to prove their worth. Uh, some people consider uh, people that are filled with shame as two-faced. And um, in some ways, it's right, because if you're all about an emotion rather than about yourself, your motivator is wrong, wrong, wrong. So how do we overcome feelings of guilt and shame? And since, you know, guilt arises from something you've done or you think you've done, an easy remedy is to apologize for the wrongdoing. But shame could be something that was done to you. People who have been abused feel shame and they didn't do anything wrong. So shame is more difficult feeling to get rid of. People that have been molested in the past or when they were children or when they felt powerless or allowed things to happen because they didn't know how to say no, they feel shame. And that shame eats them alive. And I can tell you over years and years when people hold stuff in, uh, it destroys them. And so, you know, we've got to work directly with guilt and shame so that we can get rid of some of our psychotic tendencies and self-defeating behavior. You know, uh, teaching people self-compassion is a way to heal shame. You know, uh, 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 showing people empathy and caring. We indicate that doing something wrong does not necessarily reflect the person as a whole. By differentiating between what happened and the person... We can help prevent shame and its negative uh, outcomes while we encourage a healthy sense of right and wrong. And, and so what you want to do is you want to contain it and, and you want to separate it from the person so the person doesn't integrate that behavior as this is who I am. This may have been something I don't like. I did, but it doesn't have to be who I am. So as a self-conscious emotion, shame informs you of an internal state of inadequacy unworthiness, dishonor, or regret about which others may or may not be aware. You know, another person, circumstance, or situation can trigger shame in you. But uh, can failure meet your own ideals and standards whether or not they're a, a perfectionist? You know, given that shame can lead you as uh, through your whole self as being flawed and bad and reflected on as a, a subject to exclusion, it makes you want to withdraw and hide yourself. So it's no wonder that shame lurks behind addictions that seek to mask its impact. Shame is often confused with guilt, an emotion you might experience as a result of wrongdoing, as we talked about earlier, and, and remorse, and you want to make amends. Where where you may likely have shame in your life, you you are likely to hide it because you feel that it, it reflects on you as a person. And so shame, between guilt and shame, shame is the most destructive emotion because we bring it upon ourselves. You know, it, it's much m less likely that you will broadcast your shame. In fact, you'll most likely conceal what you feel because shame does not uh, make a distinction between an action and the self. It, it, it's integrated. Therefore, with shame, bad behavior is not separated from the bad self. And, and so we have to work with that. And, and, and getting people through the trauma that shame 
integrates into their life, it means you have to learn how to separate them and destroy the shame and contain it to the moments and not integrate it into the person. And I hope I'm not being too complicated. I'm trying to be fairly straightforward with it. But, you know, it's, it's extremely important to tackle these two emotions in our life. They are primary motivators for most of the human race. You know, uh, a, a situation real or imagined might trigger sh- a shame response when you experience yourself to be inferior or in a, a competitive endeavor, when others might become more in, uh, of uh, information that you want to cover up, or if you anticipate being viewed as lacking or inadequate, such as uh, in your intellect or in your appearance, in your sexual performance. You know, you know for example, a, a woman who had gained a significant amount of weight had difficulty leaving her house because she wanted to avoid the shame that was triggered by being in public. And so, you know, and this is a very common story, but, you know, she would devalue herself and her expectation was that others would uh, uh, denigrate her. Uh, Likewise, you know, even a man who anticipated being judged as inadequate and and would manipulate in in, uh, uh, surreptitious ways his self-esteem is extremely low and, and uh, you know, when he's uh, weak and self-conscious and, and needing of approval, uh, he would oftentimes uh, seek other people that are more confident and migrate to those people. And the truth is not all confident people are uh, on the right course themselves. So we find ourselves extremely vulnerable when we're in a state of shame. We're always reacting to the world rather than proactively operating within our lives. You know, blaming or or denigrating others serves to disown what the shameful person feels. Shame may lead a person to make attributions about what others are and disguised attempts to restore a positive self-view by putting other people down. And and it is a very strong emotion that is used to uh, escape by blaming other people or pointing out other people's problems. It's a very strong use uh, by uh, trying to avoid self-diminishing. And a person might instead uh, denigrate others or express contempt towards them. You know, thus, a person might attempt to bolster their own point of view of themselves. And in other words, that person it would be called a bully. And uh, so you have to look at shame and how it operates. And it's very important because it's also contagious. So if you take on lethal projections of shame from a partner, especially one who's abusive, relocating one's own shame in order in another person is not unusual. And, and it's typical uh, self-projective maneuver among narcissists. You know, a narcissistic personality who hides their shame might provoke envy in others when they are plagued with self-doubt. And envy uh, appears to be self-inflating. Similarly, a a self-deprecating manner can easily disguise a wish of approval and restoration of pride. You know, always fearing a negative evaluation by others, the narcissist will devalue others or express hostile indignation about the success of those they envy in order to deflect the shame from which they wish to hide. So it is the main operator of a narcissist and it also demonstrates how much their self-esteem is so little. And, and so 
these the correlation of guilt and shame with self-esteem is enormous. You know, uh, so you know, many people live in what's called a delusional life. They they form uh, fantasies about uh, a rival's uh, relative happiness. They uh, may also create a history of their life that is not true or inflate uh, stories about their life that are absolutely out of touch with reality. And, and what they do, what they're doing is trying to avoid the shame that they did not do what they wish they would have done. And so they constantly feel inadequate and constantly walk around with a sense of, of lesser than the other people. And yet they may project a lot of hurt on other people by picking on them. If you pick on somebody else, then you have to don't, don't have to deal with your own crap. You know, as with all emotions, shame requires perspective since it's placed in the context of one's environment and current concerns, negative interpersonal experiences that leave you feeling intense effects such as jealousy, envy, anger, rage can alert you to the possibility of shame popping up. And so you must guard against taking on shame that does not belong to you. And that means being with an abusive person that disrespects you and puts you down is not something that you need to integrate into who you are. You define yourself, not other people. You have to make choices about yourself and you have to stick to them and believe in yourself. You do not want to integrate what other people want to make you believe. Um, you know, shame is the root of dysfunctions in families, and uh, it also, after decades of obscurity, uh, shame is increasingly recognized as a powerful, painful, and potentially dangerous emotion, especially for those who don't understand its origins or how to manage it. You know, uh, it, 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 the complex uh, response to shame is embarrassment and shyness. And that's two forms of shame that seldom cause trouble because they're behind the scenes and they're just back there looming. It's like a, a cloud looming over your life. And unless they're extreme or, or long-lasting, humility is an, another form of shame that can take on as generally considered socially desirable. And humility is a wonderful thing, but some people have too much humility and put themselves in such a low place compared to other people. And, and that's a nice thing for people to feel humility. It is a beautiful thing to see somebody that doesn't put, put themselves above other people. However, it's important to note that if you have talents and if you have things that can help other people, you've got to recognize those things and put them forward. So we have to find a balance and we have to find out how to put shame in its place. You know, uh, there's mounting evidence that problems occur when shame or humiliation becomes an integral part of a person's self-image or sense of self-worth. You know, uh, over the past two decades, psychologists, psychiatrists, and other mental health professionals have reported that abnormal styles of handling shame play an important role in social phobias, eating disorders, domestic violence, substance abuse, road rage, uh, schoolyard and workplace rampages, sexual offenses, and a host of other personal and social concerns. Now, also, uh, the importance of feeling adequate is what we have to focus on to get out of shame and to feel better about ourselves. You know, once low self-esteem is formed, the person becomes hypersensitive. They experience self-esteem attacks, which some people call panic attacks, that take form of embarrassment. 
And and once once uh, unlike guilt, which is the feeling of doing something wrong, shame is the feeling of being something wrong, being being something wrong rather than doing something wrong. And that's a huge differentiation that we all want to understand. Um, also, uh, they're afraid that they uh, won't know the rules uh, or they're blundered or misspoken and acting in ways that others might consider inappropriate. So they're always watching their step. And, and to have to do that means that you're leading what's called a fear-based life. And I call it a fear-based life. That means that we are walking around in fear. When we have shame in our life, we don't want that shame to be revealed. So we walk on eggshells our whole life around people who don't want us to walk on eggshells. They just want us to be at peace with ourselves. And so we have to uh, look at a deep, unproductive well of guilt and shame. And we have to tear it apart and end it in our lives. And so we're going to go into more on this as we move forward, we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about shame, and then we're going to move on into guilt and shame and how they operate in our life and how we can correct it. Thanks for listening. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856. Or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're talking about guilt and shame and ending it in our life. And it's important to really uh, understand that shame comes with anger. A lot of people that have what are called anger management issues 
are living in secrets. And so they're irritable on a continuous basis because they have things that they do not want other people to know about. And some people are not irritable. They cope with it with addiction. But the deal is, is that what we have to do is really rip back the things that people are ashamed of and and put it in perspective. And that's why therapy is a great place, especially when people have shame in their life, because it's confidential and it's a place where people can work out their issues and differentiate their needs and their wants and and be able to uh, fully understand who they are and and get the monkey off their back. You know, in uh, you know, women and men operate differently with shame. You know, shame about uh, sexuality helps to explain the direction sex often takes with women. You know, most people that are women uh, that uh, have uh, sexual shame uh, have a lack of sexual interest. They withdraw. They're passive. They're late blooming in their interest. And, uh, but, you know, the same, men have a, a different direction, boldness, anger, aggression. When a man feels ashamed of his sexuality or rejected or inadequate with women and does not acknowledge these feelings, even to himself, a likely outcome is sexual assault. So men can become extremely aggressive uh, or maybe perverted, and uh, women become very uh, uh, pulled away and shy and, and uh, not very active sexually or only sexually active in certain conditions. And so, you know, shame operates differently in men and women. You know, uh, conventional psychoanalysis has viewed silence as anxiety, which was interpreted as, as resistance to treatment. But more often, silence in therapy is actually a sign that a patient is ashamed to say what they're thinking. And so the therapist's silence only makes the shame worse, and it doesn't make it go away. So in therapy, when we operate, we have to get to what what is going on with this person and why is there a malfunction here in their life? Why are they feeling uh, no peace in their life? Also, uh, you know, social abilities are impeded when one feels a burden of shame. A person may have a pattern avoiding uh, social interactions, which can lead to a lack of development of social skills. So a person who has shame in their life may be 30 years old, but operates at a 15-year-old mentality because they're ashamed of who they are. And they may avoid intimacy with others and only have superficial relationships. And when people become intimate, they become, uh, that are shame-based, they may become extremely irritable and violent and agitated with their partner, angry at their partner, but they're not that way with the rest of the world. And that means there's a secret. There's something operating in their life. So are you in a shaming relationship? Does a similar, a significant person in your life, such as a spouse, a parent, an adult, a child, a sibling, a supervisor criticize you often? Are you in a relationship in which you feel respect is lacking? Do, do you feel that a significant person in your life is trying to make himself or herself feel superior at your expense? Or do you often feel publicly humiliated by a significant person? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may need to examine how shame is affecting your relationships and your behaviors. Shame will not simply go away. It is, it is a reaction that can be changed. You know, here's some ways to do it. Um, 
you know, start writing things down. Start writing your positive traits. List the things that you're good at, such as gardening, working on car, managing money, cooking. Uh, write down all skills and ability, character rates, experiences, strengths you can think of in all areas of your life. You know, consider yourself in relation to other people in your life then, including strangers. What positive traits do you have as a friend, as a child, as a spouse, to a, a sibling, to, to a patron? And first thing in the morning, select three items from your list. It doesn't matter what they are, just so they're, they're at the top of the list. The next day, select four, four to six and on on down the list. And when you have time during the day, in the shower, driving to work, at your lunch break, while fixing dinner, before you fall asleep, recall a specific incident from your past in which you demonstrated the strength or attribute and take time to relive that memory in detail. That is how we reinforce the good in us. Recall any incidents that have occurred during the day that demonstrate your positive characteristics. The goal here is to learn to believe in your positive qualities and integrate them into your self-image. Keep doing this on a daily basis until you have completed the entire list and then you want to add new qualities to the list as you proceed. And once you complete the list, start at the beginning again because repetitiveness in this way reprograms our brain and it reprograms our neurotransmitters in a way that they begin to think differently about ourselves, and we begin to shun the things that are destroying us especially from an external partner or friend or someone who is criticizing us on a continuous basis you know and also reflecting on that communication to someone is highly critical and how it affects you just letting them know you know I understand that you don't like this, this, this about me, and I'm not going to take away that perception. If you have the perception that I'm a bad person or I meant to hurt you, then that's your thing. Uh, but keep it to yourself because it's really not for me. That's your opinion, and it's really not necessary for you to continuously remind me of your opinion because your opinion is not mine. And I've heard you, so I don't need to hear it again, and I'd appreciate you just keep it to yourself. That is a way you can deflect somebody like that who is destructive towards you, just so you've heard them. It's it's great to hear people's perception, even the negative ones, but it's also great to let them know that that's not how you define yourself. So, you know, guilt, once again, is a feeling that everyone is familiar with. It can be described as being a, a bothered conscience or a feeling of culpability for your offenses. We feel guilty when we feel responsible for an action we regret. There are several types of guilt, and people can feel ashamed, unworthy, embarrassed about actions for which they're responsible. And, and it's, it is appropriate. It, it is a good emotion in many ways. But it's not something that we want to keep to ourselves. When we feel guilty, when we feel that we've done something bad, number one, we have to agree that we've done something bad. We don't want to go, okay, I feel bad because this person thinks I've done something bad. What we have to do is go, okay, I feel bad because this is not who I am. And then the, the quicker that we take responsibility for that something that we've done that we feel bad for, uh, the better. But we do it for ourselves. Once again, we don't do it for other people. We do not correct 
things that make us feel guilty for other people. We do it because we don't want to walk around with guilt and shame in our life. We want to, we want, we know who we are and we know what's wrong when we do things wrong. Also, uh, shame is an emotion that's, that's, very close to guilt, like I said, and, and it can be defined as a painful emotion caused by the consciousness of guilt, the shortcomings or improprieties within ourselves. And, and for we feel guilty for what we do. We feel shame for what we are. Shame is often a much stronger, more profound emotion than guilt. Shame is when we feel disappointed about something inside us, our basic nature. Both shame and guilt can have very intense implications. So, um, The role of guilt and shame is also very strong in the sense of conflict. And and conflict means that people always want us, you make, to, to, to feel how they feel. You make me feel this, this, this. You make me feel angry. You make me feel like a lesser person. Uh, the truth is, is that we should never take responsibility for how other people feel, including your children and your spouse. We are not responsible for how someone chooses to react to us. We may have done something bad that we feel guilty for or ashamed of, and it's great that if we take responsibility for those things. But the deal is, is that we are not responsible for how someone reacts to us. They are. And so when they project their emotions on us, it is very important to remind them that I understand how you feel and I'm feel, I really feel bad for how you feel, but I'm not responsible for it. I get that you reacted this way and this way when I said something you didn't like, but I'm not the one who formed that emotional reaction. You did. And so we have to only own our own emotions. And the problem with shame especially and guilt is the thing that makes those two operate is that we are feeling responsible for how other people feel and however pe- how other people have absorbed what we have said or done. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Once again, we correct guilt and shame because we know it's wrong for us. We don't do it to repair damage on another person because we have to agree that guilt and shame is appropriate. So what can we do? Um, you know, guilt and shame are important social factors. Both are tied together. And our de- ideas about guilt and shame, about what is right and wrong, come from social situations. Education, family, work. And as a result, it's important that educators, parents, friends, and family work to make sure that those around them, particularly children, have a sense of self-worth. By showing people empathy and caring, We indicate that doing something wrong does not necessarily reflect the person as a whole. And and I did a show on forgiveness, and and I've got to tell you, it is so important to, to, when you're looking at something that someone else has done, uh, let's say somebody uh, took money out of the checking account and didn't tell you. Instead of attacking the person for taking the money out of the account, if we want to forgive them, what we want to do is attack their thought process. And, and when I say attack, what I mean is question. You know, how did you decide to take uh, this amount, this amount of money out of the checking account? What made you decide to take this money out? What was going on? 
if we're inquiring about their behavior rather than accusing them of a bad behavior, if, and rather looking at the thing that we, we are angry about, we look at their thought process and challenge their thought process by questioning what we're doing as we're building the basis for forgiveness because we're willing to hear their point of view and willing to understand what their motives are. And many times, I would say 99% of the time, people in our lives that love us and we love them, even our employers, do not do things because they want to hurt us. They do things simply because they have a different motive than what we understand. And our job is to develop what their thought process is in order for us to forgive them. So, you know, shame can take many forms. It takes sexual shame, body image shame, gender identity, sexual preference shame, shame from past abuse, or more generally shame about anything that our community or family judges us for. You know, it's a social disease in many ways. And that means that I don't fit into society uh, in this certain way. And so we operate in that sense of shame. So, you know, it, it kills the vitality of a person. It kills self-expression. And so what we want to do is we want to begin, if we're going to take on shame, it is to face it and, and come together with it and stop trying to be a member of society but become a member of individuality, meaning that we begin to stand up and become our own person. Uh you know, a person that actually takes a, a, a stand or takes a, a, a point of view doesn't mean that they should feel ashamed of it. They can take on a point of view, and that is their point of view. It doesn't mean it's always going to be their point of view, but that point of view is something that is about them in the moment. And it's huge for people to accept that people are a work in progress. And that they should not be ashamed. They should be able to explore what is right and wrong because most people are what's called experiential learners. We, we learn from doing things. We learn from taking positions. We learn from taking stands and making choices. And from that, we evolve. And so the more choices we make, the more we evolve. Instead of fail, we evolve. We change our choices based on making other choices. And so... Shame and guilt are often uh, looked at through the uh, glass of, of failure. And if you think about failure, what failure does to a person, it failure means that I'm going to have to face and take responsibility for shame and guilt. And so, you know, people that have a fear of failure are basically reflecting on the fact that they have a fear of having to own up to shame and guilt. And so what we want to do is be bold with our life and recognize I am a work in progress. I am not perfect. I make bad choices. I do the best I can in my life to make choices that are reflective of who I am. And I'll be glad to take responsibility for everything that I've done, bad and good, because that's who I was in the time. But it, once again, I learn through my life how to make choices. So when we'd make bad choices, we move on and we move through them and we apologize for whatever happened. But we also understand that we are in an experiential life, meaning that we experience most of our decisions and then make new choices. You know, um, 
the purpose of shame is to bind uh, communities together by making us feel bad, literally uh, disgusted with ourselves. And if we do something judged as wrong by others, so, you know, we become ashamed. And when we become ashamed, uh, society feels like it's safer because they have a vehicle to make you feel like a bad person. So, you know, the deal is uh, disgust repels us from potential infection. So, uh, if we look at uh, disgust is designed to repel us uh, from coming into contact with things that could carry diseases or do bad things or, or uh, you know, sitting on a mm-hmm. filthy toilet or whatever, uh, it's really not that self-protective. What we have to do is teach people the knowledge of what those things that are bad out there do rather than shame them from doing things that they shouldn't do. Meaning that you don't sit on the filthy toilet because people don't do that. You don't, you don't want to do that because other people are going to see you. What you want to say is, hey, man, you can get a disease if you sit on that filthy toilet. You may want to cover it up. Okay, that's just a demonstration. It's probably a bad demonstration. But anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to keep talking about shame and how to fix it. We're going to talk about body shame. And we're going to talk about uh, children with body image problems. Coming up next, so thanks for listening. We're going to take a quick break. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Life is a journey which never gets easier. As we go through life, we just handle things better as we get to know ourselves. Listen for the Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli believes that each of us are pre-programmed with all the answers and tools we need to move through any situation life throws at us. It's discovering those tools and answers that will set us on the right path to enjoying and navigating life. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, we're talking about the fun 
an interesting and, and ever-evolving topic of guilt and shame and ending that in our lives. You know, Charles Darwin described shame as consisting of blushing, uh, confusion of mind, downward cast eyes, slack posture, lowered head. Uh, you know, if, if you look at uh, the description of uh, Eve, Eve covers herself and lowers her head in shame when she, after she's uh, confronted for eating the apple. You know, take a moment now. Take a moment now. If you've got shame in your life, if, if, if you feel a low self-esteem, stand up and adopt a posture of, of shame. How do you stand? Where do you fold your body? What parts of your hips and legs uh, get strained by this posture? This will give you insight to the remaining uh, two common body sites for shame, which is the pelvic joints where your upper leg bones and uh, join your hip bones and the patella tendons, the tendon just below uh, your kneecap, also known as the ACL. When we collapse our posture in shame, we strain and weaken our hips and patella tendons. So carrying chronic shame can lead to the degeneration of our hips and our knees. So the purpose of shame is to enforce community values on individuals, but as an adult, you may not agree with the values that were forced upon you when you were younger, and it's time to break free. Establish a good posture. Establish a way of carrying your body where you're comfortable instead of a sense of a cloud or a weight or a monkey on your back. The most wholesome way to maintain community cohesion is not by being shamed, but by being disgusted with ourselves, but rather, and, and being disgusted with ourselves, but rather by being true to our own values and beliefs. That is how we begin to carry ourselves in a much better way. So how you carry yourself plays a major role in, uh, how much guilt and shame you operate with. You know, what, do, what we need to do, uh, you know, is be true and free ourselves and be authentic with all of our good and all of our bad. That means, and I did a show on this, is live honestly. Admit to all the bad and admit to the good and live in a way that people understand that we're good with what we've done and we're good with what we haven't done right. And if you can live honestly, what happens is our life becomes much more fulfilling. Okay, so, um, you know, we want to uh, look at, number one, how our body and shame uh, react to each other. You know, uh, why do people feel that losing weight is more important than anything else, even, even in their health? Why, why don't you know, people want to see themselves as bright, talented, uh, uh, attractive? Why do they have to see themselves through the fat? You know, the deal is, if you think good things about yourself, oftentimes the sense of being able to control the things that we feel are controlling us, such as weight gain, can be taken care of. But we have to look at how we look at ourselves. And if we want to do that, well, if we start feeling good about ourselves, our body starts to match us. Uh, you know, the other thing is, if we start feeling good about ourselves, our body, uh, may, we may begin to feel more sexual. We may feel to begin to feel more attractive. And that means that we actually may become uh, more heightened in our sexuality, which means our body will take a better shape because it wants to be sexual with us. It wants to join us. And so, you know, if you can take care of 
shame and guilt in your life. And if you can move away from it and start feeling good things about yourself and reminding yourself of the good things, you might find yourself losing weight and taking control of many things in your life that have controlled you for years. Self-image can be uh, thought of as, as a set of beliefs about yourself that are formed over time through a process of repetition and emotional reinforcement. And these beliefs may be accurate or mistaken or rational or irrational, but we trust them as true guides in our choices of behavior, even when they tell us something feels bad. In particular, beliefs about something being dangerous or unpleasant are usually more important to remember and therefore more strongly held than beliefs about things that are pleasant or neutral. The more intense the emotional reinforcement, the less repetition it may take to establish a belief. And, And so... Uh, one vicious uh, dog mite may, may be sufficient to establish the belief that all dogs are dangerous. Okay, so the deal is, if we look at our body, if we look at our body and go, okay, I know I'm fat, I am a big fat person, blah, blah, blah. And we continue to say that. I know what you're saying. You're saying that I'm fat. The first thing you look at is my belly. Ha, ha. Okay, great. What we're doing is, is we reflect on how fat we are. What we begin to do is dictate how other people see us. And the truth is, not everybody sees us through what we are physically. And so we have to allow people to look at us as who we are as people. And uh, when we throw the weight into it and we project it on ourselves and we we verbalize it, we're reinforcing it over and over. And that means we're probably going to continue to struggle. We're going deeper into the problem rather than being constructive about solving the problem. And and really, with weight gain and and people being overweight, it's about health. It's not about shape. It's about health and, and getting your health back. Now, the other... Uh, instinctive response to shame is a surge of aggression. You know, once a danger is passed, that serves as an explanation for, uh, you know, us being uh, aggressive because now we're on high alert. And it can be problematic in itself depending on the circumstances. But uh, an unsafe act and it brings on an aggressive surge and that aggression may be turned inward, forming the core of secret angry grudge against another or against self. Now, that, that if we think about that, that could be like being out in traffic. And being angry at the people that pull in front of you or they're texting and they're not watching, they're not safe, they're not driving. You know, I've often told people the best way to form a a new philosophy on anger is to go out and, and put yourself in traffic and try to figure out how to not give anybody the power to dictate how you feel. To actually enjoy your ride and be within yourself and be a good defensive driver, but not react to people in a way that you're angry. Because if you can do that, that means you can control it there. You can likely control it in other parts of your life. You know, um, so children oftentimes have huge problems with their body image and they're introduced to shame at a very young age. Diabetes, by the way, is, is, is a huge problem in our society, especially in the United States. We are just fat hogs in the United States compared to most countries. Uh, you know, I've often said that when we travel, when I travel internationally, 
and go to other countries, it's amazing uh, how people uh, control their diet so much better than we do. And, and that's because we're very sedentary. You know, we take advantage of technology in the United States. We're not a third world country. We're a very progressive nation. We have a lot of technology. We have a lot of resources available and we don't have to use our bodies as much. So, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, we're just flabbier. But the truth is, is that we have to begin to uh, understand that if we're going to be that way, our children are going to be that way because they're going to take, they want to take advantage of the same things that the adults do. They're going to want the technology, you know? So, you know, if you look at television itself and you look at magazines and you look at uh, movies, oftentimes they're not uh, the nicest when it comes to the image of what a child looks like. You know, many times children are, are supposed to be skinny, attractive, and that, you know, you go on uh, Disney Channel and you're going to find a lot of model-looking uh, kids. But the deal is, and, and some aren't, to be fair, you know, the truth is they're, they're, they're actually doing a better job these days of putting people that, that may not be the, the perfect body type or the most attractive people in some of these kids' television shows. But we do not want to create a body image for children where they become too skinny, too, fall, too fat, too tall, too busty, too hairy. What we really want to do is have healthy kids that go out and play. We want healthy kids that go out and play and are able to exercise their body. And that calls for parenting that is very active. We do not want to be shaming our, pers- our kids for bodies that are big because that is us as a parent. That's our own fault because we're overeating, uh, we're o- allowing them to overeat and we're not parenting them well enough to get them active and running around and doing what they need to do as children. So we want to play a very strong role in our kids' life and part of parenting these days has to do with them getting exercise because they just don't get enough of it you know we don't want to blame our children for being fat if we are contributing to the problem we have to take on that as ourselves and and so we do not shame our kids for being fat what we do is we look at ourselves and go we want healthy kids so let's figure out how to make this healthy and let's encourage them and be positive with them and and develop self-worth you know you're you you know if they're if they're a big boy or a big girl you're a big girl big boy but this is this is your child body and it's gonna form and we want you to be healthy so uh, you know the deal is you're not healthy in this lifestyle so we want to change that so you are healthy because we want you to live a long life we want our intentions to be good when we're parenting so we don't want to discourage our children's body type or their weight they get enough of that at school by the way And also, uh, people suffer when we fail to exhibit a generosity of spirit. You know, don't most of us just want to be seen and appreciated, not not peered at and picked apart? No one benefits from thinking or behaving as though our value to each other is so fragile that it could be diminished by weight gain, muscle tone, or an external feature. Our bodies are our own, not invitations for public commentary. Reject body shaming because you respect our right to make choices and live with them. To decide to change or be content uh, to, to mind your own business and tend your own personal issues privately. Our bodies are our own, and, and we have to own that, and we want our children to own that, that this is your body, this is not other people's body, this is something that you take care of, because if you don't take care of it, you don't live a long life and have all the good things that you could have. So we, we want to work in that capacity. You know, um, 
shame equals uh, to a global inner belief that I'm bad. So energy has to go somewhere. Negative feelings and thoughts that are in, you know, that hold us down. And and what we want to do is we want to acknowledge and release the 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 belief that you are a bad person. You know, bring the shame to a conscious level and talk about it. And talk about what you're ashamed of. And the more you talk about the things that you're ashamed of, the more they become conscious and the more they become disposable. And you want to do that in a place that's confidential. Once again, therapy is a great place for people that have lots of shame in their life. Because we're able to, to peel off those labels and able to help people uh, bring to the surface the things that are bubbling underneath them. And then there's no guilt and shame in therapy because it is confidential. Um, you know, you want to make uh, shame a new form, I have a new image. Uh, you want to integrate it and go, hey, this thing that I did, I'm ashamed of or I'm sad of. And we want to uh, push ourselves away from it. We don't want events to define who we are. We want events to be a part of the evolution of our life. All right, that's our show on uh, guilt and shame. So next week, we're going to do a really cool show. It's, it's, I'm, I'm working very hard to put this thing together, and, and it uh, basically has to do with evolutionary psychology. So I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or at Twitter at drgbmft. Remember, there is almost no marital problem that can't be helped enormously by taking off your clothes. <laughs> That's from Garrison Keeler. And there's only three types of people that tell the truth, kids, drunks, and anyone who's pissed off. That's from Richard Pryor. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.